You have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream. What's up guys and welcome back to Straight From The Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth and I'm your host on this personal development, personal growth podcast. Listen, if you're new to this show, I just want to take this time and I want to welcome you. I want to thank you for being here. And this, this is your 150th or 250th time tuning back in. Thank you for your continued support, listenership of the podcast. If you're not yet subscribed to the channel on Apple or Spotify, please do so. You know, we're on every single major platform there is, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, etc. So go check us out there. If you are not a subscriber to the YouTube, we just started that, so please subscribe there. I'd appreciate the support. Look, anytime you subscribe to me, it just shows me your support, and I'm just so grateful for that. Even if you hardly listen, the fact that you show me your support, it's helping to boost us in the algorithm, gets us out to more people. The more comments you leave, the more likes you leave on the on the post, it's it's better for us in terms of generating more awareness of the podcast guests that we have on and all of their awesome stories that they share. So without further ado, let's get into it. Ian, what's up, brother? Welcome back to the show. Third time. Round, Third time's a charm. Round two. Take two. <laughs> Is it round two? I mean, it's round three, really. But well, we won't even discuss round two. No, round two was uh, was a ball ache. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just leave that where it is. We we know, we're better than that. Yeah. So let's just, <laughs> let's just call it round two re- for real. Yeah. This, the last one was just a, we were just playing. Let's just put it that we were just we we're just playing. We we're just we talking, man. Serious. We weren't serious. Not at all, mate. So what's been up, bro? Not much. Um. So, the last time, the last time I was here. I felt like I had a bit of a bollocking from you. Now, to all my American listeners who don't know, a bollocking means a telling off, right? I fucking left here with my head hung in shame. I felt I felt fucking terrible because you told me off for wasting valuable minutes, minutes of my day by not putting that towards something that I love and that I care so much about. Because in your words, you say you care about it, but your actions are telling me different. I'm like, well, that's true. And I felt like shit afterwards. But it was in a good way, because I tell you what, the night that I went home, I wrote fucking three melodies. <gasps> no way. They may not be complete. They may not be- Oh, I'm so absolutely fucking proud of you, Thank bro. you. And oh, so from that, not just writing that, Anything that I do, I set myself a goal to do at least something to do with music. I can't write melodies every day, all day. I could, but I'll get burnt out and they'll end up sounding shite. So you can never know too much. Anything like medicine, um, fitness, nutrition, and in music, you can never know too much. So the rest of my time I put towards being able to learn not just music theory, but all the intricacies about music production. I know them loosely. Mm. I know how to get by. I know how to make something sound good, but I don't quite understand every element of it. So each VST, which is um, like a virtual uh, keyboard or a synthesizer or uh, a saturate or wherever that is, um, I'm learning, I'm taking one of those. The first one I'm doing is an LFO tool, which basically is like sound shaping. 
Um, so I'm learning the ins and outs of the LFO tool. And then from there, I'm going to go on to learning different other synths and all the other stuff that I usually use so that I, if I get asked a question, I can give a scientific answer. I can give a professional exa um, example of what I'm talking about and an answer. So yeah, I kind of, um, that kick in the ass was everything I needed. As, as, as fucking painful as it was, right? It, and it hurt because I felt ashamed. I felt ashamed of myself because I'm thinking, I'm wasting all this time due to the circumstance that I found myself in. I kind of lost that love for something that I was supposed to care so much about. I say supposed to because my actions aren't showing it. Yeah, I love music. I love it all day long. But obsession will outdo talent every single time. Just because I might be talented at doing something, I need to be a fucking obsessed with it. I need to think about it every second of every day. I need to be doing something towards it. If I wanna get back on that horse and start traveling the world like I used to, I need to, I need to pull my finger out and it's what I needed. I think it's imperative to your existence. I think it's imperative to who you are as a man as as ian mm. it's imperative that you do this thing it's not an option because look your job is an option but it's something you have to do to survive yeah right now but my whole thing was don't get lost in the option b that is your job and substitute it for an option a that's always going to be and actually is the thing that carves out who Ian is on this planet mm. and really where you're going to be the most, the best utility. And that was important for me to convey that to you because you're my friend. And it, it, it's, I don't see you as just a, or just a random per look, I'll be honest. Even if I had, even if I didn't know you as well as I know you, I would still, if I felt like I had the authority and you were going to be receiving of it, I still would say that sort of thing. Mm. I would have, maybe said it in a different vernacular, yeah. but I still would have dispensed with it. It's important because the last thing I want you or anybody to do, even myself, is to get lost in the regular procedures of life and slowly but surely abandon and, 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 and independently forfeit the thing that actually creates your being from the first from the in the first place that yeah. was important for me to say that's why i said it the way i said it i think and i just and also i was confused as to why you weren't putting more energy into it and the reason being i lost self-confidence i lost my own you know i was told that it's not worth doing it's something i shouldn't be doing but this was just from a very limited source but it gets in your head after a time. And I'm thinking, fuck me, it, it's been long enough now. I need to I need to get rid of that thought process and get back the power, the power of what I used to be. I, I joke about it, you know, I say this is going to be Ian Solani 2.0. Well, fuck me, at the moment, it's only 1.5 because I haven't quite taken that step forward to say, right, this is it now. However, the last time I was here, after leaving, I might have felt shameful, but at the end of the day, I felt empowered to get back on the horse. 
get back on ride ride that bitch like sea biscuit <laughs> and i get on it and all i'm gonna do and all i'm gonna think about that's gonna be the title of this podcast ride that bitch like sea biscuit <laughs> <laughs> and it worked it fucking worked because now um i find myself just i don't know just dipping into different things and i'm finding that that passion for it again because that's what I lost it was the passion I liked it I still loved listening to music I still think oh I know how that was made and when I listen to a song or I know how that transition was done if I listen to a DJ set but I lost the passion for it I lost that feeling you get when you get so excited you can't wait to wake up the next day to start all over again and finish a project start a project get it sent off to a label do this that and the other whatever it is that you're doing towards this goal of just simply showing people what my feelings sound like is that's the best way to put it. That's really good. That's good. Yeah, I don't know how else to put it, but yeah, it was it was everything, everything I needed. Just sitting across from you, having you say these sorts of things, there's a there's a difference in your eye language or your facial expressions mm-hmm. when you talk about these sorts of things and you sort of get emotional talking about them and obviously you do so because it's meaningful to you like yeah. these things are meaningful and it's it's very meaningful that you almost relegated yourself from this process and it's and that hurts you I'm sure yeah, that hurts you to some degree that you were willing to just kind of forfeit that and just do life just to make ends meet Mm. and that can get look for a lot of people listening that's where they're at and they have no way of circumventing themselves because it's perpetual they live paycheck to paycheck yeah and they're thinking well justin what would you recommend i can't tell anybody what to do or how to circumvent that situation all i can say is don't let go of the vision that you do have and that may mean you taking on a, a night job or something you might make you have you might have to go and research online how to sell product online have a merchant shop and sell certain things you know that you buy at swap meets or something like mm-hmm. gary vaynerchuk talks a lot about just to make an additional revenue have an additional revenue stream where then that can allow you more freedom to do other things with that are centered around your pursuit or that endeavor or that vision that you have yeah that's really the only way around because everybody has the same 24 hours in the day. Yeah. So, but you have to, if it's important enough, you'll do that. Yeah. It's like everybody else. There's there's people, there's sayings all day long on Instagram and sometimes I buy into it and other times I don't. But some of them that really speak to me is the whole, um, I'm never going to say it as good as you, but this is the roundabout thing that, um, that was said is because I think I texted you about it and I said, this is everything. You're, I think you're in your kitchen and you were saying basically every element and every second of every day is so important. Put that towards doing what you love and what you do because the end goal is going to come sooner. Rather than if you do the tiniest step forward or make the tiniest melody or you sit in front of the computer and even if you just look at a chord structure that has got you just that little bit closer to your goal than if you did fuck all. You you said it a lot more sophisticated than I just put. I don't think <laughs> just so. Put it, I think you did. I don't think fuck all was in there either. But uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Been. Yeah, it should have been. <laughs> you know, at the end of the I think what matters most is that you show up. 
That was it. That's and what, what matters most is yeah. that what matters most is consistency above all. And the fact that you continuously practice this pursuit that you're after, even if nothing happened, nothing is happening in the interim. And many may for many years, that's, that's the hard thing is for many years, you're going to be walking blindly in this pursuit. You're not going to know where you're at. You're not going to know what's in front of you. You're just walking blindly. And, and every single logical voice is going to tell you, or ask you the question, what are you doing? Yeah. And why are you doing this? And so if your why is not powerful enough to eradicate the reasonings that you're walking blindly, then you're going to stop and you're going to go backwards. Mm. So that's in all of us, especially if we're doing something that we find meaningful and of value. Yeah. It's just the way it is. But you don't have those questions when you look at someone like, DJ Mustard. You don't have those questions when you look at someone like Jay-Z. You don't have those questions. They did. Mm. They did when they were when they were when they were cultivating themselves. They had those questions, just like you and I. But they just kept doing it. They also didn't tell everybody what they were going to do because as much as it kind of goes two ways, you could like, this is what I'm going to do so that you feel accountable for what you're about to or that you want to do. But you should low-key do what you want to do, get to this place that you want to be. Because a lot of the times, the things that you want to do, for the example, me with music, people couldn't fathom being a professional DJ or professional musician. So they try to talk you out of your dreams because they gave up on theirs. They, they haven't got the 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 thought process or, or the heart to follow something so passionately, so consciously or subconsciously, they'll just talk you out of it. They'll, they'll talk you down and say, oh, you're fucking wasting your time, mate, whatever. And I've learned to not talk so much and do talk little and do more because nobody needs to hear the naysayers talking. Yeah, I think you have to be kind of sort of in your own echo chamber, mm. so to speak, when it comes to your pursuit, when it comes to things that you find important and valuable and yeah. meaningful in your life. You sort of have to be in a, in your own enclosed chamber and not listen to others. That's a problem when you listen to others' opinions on where you want to go or what you feel that you're made for. Because they don't, sorry to cut you off, they don't have the chemistry makeup that you have. No. There's no reason why they should think that you could do this. I understand that. Yeah. But they're not you. And as cliche as that sounds... It's applicable to everybody that's immersed in something that they find immense value in and they should lock themselves in their own echo chamber because if they don't, they're susceptible to people's ideologies, people's own thoughts about where they, where they're going or what it might lead to or except fuck them. They don't have what you have. They don't have the chemical makeup that you have, etc. They have no jurisdiction in your thought process or they have no jurisdiction rather in the avenue that you choose for your life. Exactly. And they'll do their best to fucking find the map to get in there because they, they almost find pleasure in, in bringing you back down to their frequency or their level because th they feel uncomfortable around success. People said to me, people, my friend said to me once that people act weird in the presence of greatness. 
And it's so true. If, if you're doing something extraordinary, or if you're doing something out of the norm, so to speak, or something that others wish that they could be, look like, be, sound like, whatever, people start acting really strange. And I've noticed that with my accent being here, when I speak to the public, it goes one or two ways, one or three ways. People love my accent, people could care less and they don't mention it, or they'll hate on me for it. And I found that the haters have this thought in their mind that I feel like I'm better than them because I speak posher, for want of a better word. I, I articulate my words better, perhaps, because I use different words. I'm not trying to sound like an Oxford dictionary when I speak to somebody. It's just it's just my speech. It's just how I sound. But to them in their head, they're used to seeing uh, through media, television, radio, whatever, movies, that <laughs> the British guy is, is either the villain or the brain. And it, it puts people off and they, they get really strange. And I've been motherfuckered before just because of how I sound. And I know it's because of how I sound because they're mocking me when they're speaking to me. Mm. Or they're giving me that look and just watching my mouth as I speak. And I, I can just feel it. But then the other end of the spectrum, people love it. And they want to talk about it. They ask me which part of Australia I'm from. And I'm like, fuck me. I'm not. <laughs> and then I ask them what part of Canada they're from. And they're not. <laughs> um, but we just have a joke. And they, they're interested. And they ask the questions. And they go, oh, I'd love to do this. And they, they get this stereotype. Um, you know, I've had a spot of tea yet today. And I'm like, people haven't said that since 1942. Um, but it's fun. But the other end... <clears throat> Uh, the arseholes, they just, they feel uncomfortable. I'm diverting, but they, they feel uncomfortable about how I sound because they've, they've put me on a pedestal already in their mind because I'm, I sound, again, I sound posh. Or I sound well-spoken and proper, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a really weird um, situation, a dynamic to be in, especially when you're talking to complete strangers who feel like they've got the, uh, uh, the bollocks to just say how they feel. To somebody that they haven't met before. Well, it's because you don't blend in. And so when people can't identify what they're looking at or quite, it doesn't receive as similar mm. to what they've normally used to have been, you know, the, the general populace around them, they have sort of not a direct contention with it, but they have sort of a, a standoff um, sense of energy towards it. Yeah. You know, it's similar to when if you were to ever meet someone if you were to ever meet George Clooney, if you were to see George Clooney walk into your work, you wouldn't know how to react. No. Because that guy has a level of status that is not seen around you. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't know how to interface with that. Even if he came up to you and asked you a question and was genuine, mm. you wouldn't know how to interface with that because you would be so kind of starstruck and trying your brain would be trying yeah. to identify him and separate him from the movies to real life now yeah because you've already built him up in your mind as something like a character that he's played in your favorite movie that he was in it's, right. it's such a weird feeling that's sort of what it's like when people are so talented but yet unnoticed mm. yeah nobody knows how to interface with them because they're cut from a different cloth mm. and they can't identify what cloth that is because it's not synonymous with the other cloths that they are hanging around. 
and they feel like it's so unattainable for them as a normal person, so to speak. They, um, like you said, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to think. And their brain kind of glitches and they either act really silly or they act really mean, you know? Yeah, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. But luckily, you're not easily altered when it comes to people's ways of intaking you or what you, what you, who you are, what you, how you speak, etc. And it's probably because you're used to, you're more calloused. Yeah. And that's a good thing. As much as I'm an emotional twat at times, I do take things in and I do take things to heart, but I don't always let it show. I mean, I don't suffer fools gladly as my mother will tell you, but, um, I forgot where I was going with this. I got distracted. It's all right. As you were. I can't think now. As I was nowhere. <laughs> we can't, we've lost all train of thought now. You craning your neck to look behind you kind of threw me off. <laughs> well, I think the gist of what, or the underpinning rather, what we're trying to convey is that people don't know how to interact with different people yeah they don't know how to interact with people that might even pose a threat to them mm. and even though they can't identify what that threat is they know that it's likely superior to what they are or what they've become this is especially prominent with men yeah with other men yeah when they mm. sense that there's superiority there Wow, mate! Honestly, I have had so much experience with this, and <clears throat> over the years that I've served um, at restaurants and whatever, I've learned that I've got to address the man first and most. Yeah, if mm -hmm. it's a couple, because I'm able to talk to both of them, but I make sure that I always address him first and her barely, because I don't know what they've talked about when they go when they go home or they're on their own, she might have this thing for um, British accents yep. or British men, so to speak. And it probably drives him up the wall when she says it. And then along comes their fucking server who is talking like he is. And then she starts going, oh, he's got no decorum whatsoever and just says, oh my God, I love your accent and all this bollocks. Do you, do you see interface with that? They do. They say it straight up and down like that. They'll, some girls have said to me, oh my God, I love your accent. Oh, and they'll even say stupid shit like, um, oh, I could listen to you all night and, and like all these. In front of their men? I promise you it's happened more than a handful of times. And I've learned to say a few things in the situations. I kind of, I may, I'm very good at thinking on my feet. Um, it's sort of extinguishing it. Yeah. So right? I'm able to kind of almost take the piss out of the situation by that. I mean, make fun or um, yeah, extinguish it because it's going to affect everybody. Mm. It's going to affect their night. It's going to affect their experience and they're not going to like me and I'm not going to get paid. Yeah. And, it, and it's sad. It's sad that it comes down to that. But then sometimes it goes the other way where they laugh and they joke about it and they find both of them think it's hilarious almost that there's this cartoon character in front of them talking like Harry Potter or Peppa Pig. <laughs> I don't think it's a cartoon character, but yeah, I get your, I get your point, man. 
when you when you have the guy and the girl situation like you're explaining if that were correct me if i'm wrong but if that were you in that position where that woman was sort of low-key flirting with you in front of her man mm. i don't know about you when we're done she's single it's disrespectful, man. Disrespectful. It is. And especially if you're going to do it right in front of my face, what are you doing yeah, when I'm not exactly. there? People think, you know, I, I kind of get funny when my significant other will kind of talk about other people on the television. And people are like, oh, why, why do you bother? Who cares? They're never going to meet him. Well, funny you should fucking say that because I've got a story. This happened many years ago. And uh, my girlfriend at the time would, would say shit like that. She'd see somebody on the television and be cooing over him, you know, getting all doughy-eyed and shit. And I'm like, I find it disrespectful. Whether you think that it is or not, I'm telling you, I find it disrespectful. I really appreciate it if you don't do it. She goes, it doesn't matter. I'm never going to meet them. Okay. A couple of weeks later, let's say, um, I got booked for a, um, a DJ event. I was DJing somewhere. <clears throat> And uh, previously we had this conversation because she was kind of like trying to distinguish, uh, extinguish it herself. She was saying, so who would you like? You know, who do you fancy this and that? And I kind of, I was really uncomfortable, but I told her and one of them just happened to be this uh, female producer DJ. It was hilarious. And uh, she goes, oh yeah, but it doesn't matter because you're never going to meet him. Well, guess who was o opening for this DJ producer that I told a couple of weeks ago that I think that, you know, she would be my um, hall pass for. Oh, fuck me. Look at that. It was Anne Savage. Her face dropped. And I tell you, from that moment, she never said it, even jokingly said it in front of me about another man that she may or may not ever meet. And uh, I said, don't ever say that because it happens. You never know when it could happen. I'm around these things all of the time. I put myself in these positions. But Anne Savage just happened to be at this event. I hope you're going to be okay with me coming home proper late. I'm not saying I'm going to do anything with her. But I kind of just put the idea in her head that, you know, if I asked you not to do something, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't. It was great. I think that, look, I, I, when it comes to, I think there needs to be boundaries set within relationships. And... Apart from boundaries, I think some of these things should be kind of unspoken boundaries for the woman that yeah. she should uh, you could over here um, that she should be able to not or be able to assume automatically that you don't like that and not do it yeah. and do it on her own accord. For example, you know you're with a proper woman, and this may ruffle some feathers here. That's all right. You know that you're with a proper woman and she really is into you when she stops posting provocative pictures on Instagram and she just does it on her own, man. She, without you saying anything, yeah, yeah. she just stopped, you know, and you know those pictures I'm talking about. And that's, that is an example of a classy bird. Yeah. A classy woman. You don't even need to say these things. There's a huge difference. Somebody can be hot and somebody can be classy. Class wings every time. Absolutely, man. And you know you have a good one when you get that. Mm. And that's happened to me numerous times that I've gotten a woman like that and she's automatically, without me saying anything, 
just stopped doing that sort of mm. thing or unfollowed certain people. I didn't have to say anything. Yeah, just because you kind of mentioned that uh, certain things make you feel uncomfortable and she used her own initiative to think Justin may uh, be a little bit weird about this. What attracts you to a woman? I tell you what, it was just on my mind just as you were saying that. The way that a woman can carry herself is everything. Like I said, the, the whole class thing. If you're a classy girl, it doesn't matter if you're in sweatpants or in a bathing suit, you'll be attractive. And one thing that I treasure, and I say treasure like it's a sparkling gem because it is. If a woman can make you feel like you don't have to worry about what she's doing, if she's going on a night out with the girls or whatever, or just going anywhere without you, if she can make you feel like, uh, comfortable and sure of yourself, that to me is gold. Because I've been in relationships where I've had to worry every five fucking minutes because they're projecting onto me that I'm doing it when all along they were the ones that are doing it. And I've had others that just let it be. And I haven't got to worry a single moment. If they go out on the piss with their friends, go out drinking with their friends um, and end up in a dive bar, the only thing I've got to worry about is that she gets home okay. And if I've got to pick her up or I've got to get her an Uber, then that's what I'll do. But I just love the feeling of not having to worry about where she is and what she's doing. I know, I've never had a panic attack recently with, with the, uh, the woman I'm with about that. And it's great. It's freeing to feel that way. And that's what attracts me to a woman. And also, you know, the little things like somebody who, can, who listens, listens to what I'm saying, takes a genuine interest in, she might not even, even be into ballet, but if I am and she listens to my stories about it without being distracted and uh, talking over me, it's great. I fucking love that. Listening, you, you, so listening and listen, trust. Listening and trust is everything. What's what's an actual action that they that they do that you like that you're drawn to? And I'll and I'll give you a, an example of mine. Uh, top of my head, just giving it some thought. I don't know, silly things. They're at the they're at the shops and they saw something I think I might like, or you know they saw, I don't know, like a protein bar or something else that I really, that I love or I've never been able to find or I, I've got hundreds of them at home but she'll buy me an extra one just because. Just mm. It's just the thoughtfulness. Yeah, that's really, that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Thoughtfulness. You want to know what it is for me? Go. Okay. The main thing A massive that, ass. <laughs> <laughs> massive ass. <laughs> yes. That, those are all, those have to be already there. Yeah, that's you right. Know. That's why I'm looking. Okay. <laughs> but, Apart from that, man, I tell you the thing that draws me in is when now one, I don't like argumentative or combative females. That's a turnoff. Yep. However, when it comes to their ability to shun other men when they try to pick them up or give them a compliment and they can see right through that man and what his desire is or agenda is and they can just without saying it but saying like fuck off yeah yeah oh my gosh that's when i know that woman's for me i'll give you a story years ago this is probably in 2013 14 i met a girl that worked at our gym and she was just 
the head at the desk, the front desk. And I, I hadn't met her and I walked in the gym and new face. Cause at the time they were, they were hiring a lot of people. Mm. And then I, and she just had that look of, of kind of disgust on her face. You know, that look where you, she, it's not like she thinks she's better than anybody, but she's like, she doesn't want to, like, she doesn't want to talk to you. Don't speak to me. Yeah. You got five minutes and then piss off. <laughs> not five seconds. <laughs> and I go to the back and she said something. She was kind of like rude, not rude, but like just assertive, not, or even just dismissive. Maybe mm. it was the fact that she was dismissive, which yeah. is a whole nother element on its own. That's mm. horrible. But when she was that way, I went to the back and I was meeting my buddy, Matt, to go work out. And I said, man, that lady at the front, I said, do you know that chick is at the front? Mm. And I, and I don't, I don't ever talk demeaning to or about women or call names, but like the word, the B word just came out of my mouth. I said, dude, she's a B. <laughs> and I said, and I Still think I was B. just in the, in the moment at the time, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and and I, she's all who? And I said, that girl up there. And, and anyways, nothing. I never spoke to her after that. I was like, cause I was just like, that, do you no. remember what she said? No, she, I think I want to say she was just dismissive. Like she didn't look at me when I said hi or she's something like, like that. Yeah. <laughs> something it was, I think it was more like she just didn't acknowledge me saying hi or something like that. Right. Okay. And I remember and that just, I, I think that just did something to me because everybody mm. that walks, I walk in there and I, if I say hi and, and they see me, they say, mm. hi, you know, it's just a common courteous thing to yeah, yeah. deliver a hello or acknowledge like with a hand wave. So anyways, I ended up seeing a friend and I didn't know this was her friend mm. until later on. I realized that her and this person are, are really good friends. And I, and I ended up, you know, was seeing her dating her friend for a while we ended up just coincidentally going all going to dinner together. And I remember us doing a, taking our orders and such. And I remember thinking, I don't want this pizza because I ordered a pizza and I was mm. like, I don't want this pizza no more. I was like, I feel like I automatically got to change a pizza to want Chipotle, I want Chipotle. And I was like, would it be bad if I just told him to cancel the order? It was like two minutes after I ordered it. And she's like, and I don't think they made it yet. And trust me, if they had made it, I'd have paid for it. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, but I don't think they ordered it yet, or they made it yet. And I, and I just, and she says, I said, would that be bad? And she says, yes. She said, yes, yeah. this person. And I was like, and I was, I like that. Mm. Even though I don't like, I'm not going to be uh, the man that needs to be told what to do. I like that she was putting me in an ethical position. Yeah. And look, I also like, I pretense, I would have, absolutely just paid for the pizza if they had made it yeah i was hoping that they wouldn't not have made it and then i could just skip out <clears throat> on that dinner and we could go to chipotle afterward like after they all ate we could, mm. i could just go get my chipotle shit i was just craving something at the time anyway she kind of hold held the reins on that i like that the yeah. other one that i was with didn't say shit you know she just anyways so this is the no, part I, that I i'm it. really getting at i don't know yeah. why i told you that back that doesn't even make any that doesn't even mean anything here's what really turned me on and realized, I realized to myself, this is the woman for me. And again, I'm seeing her friend at the time, mm. but her friend and I were just, it's just fun. It's just fun. It's nothing serious. Yeah. It's just fun. There was a gentleman came up to the front and he was like my age and you could tell he was sort of flirting with her. He was starting, he was like cracking a, a joke. She literally looked at him 
as he's laughing didn't pacify him with a smile or a laugh, a, jo- a fake laugh or anything like yeah. anybody regular would do. Yeah. She just stoically looked at him and I was like, brilliant. That's a good woman. Yeah. Not even she, look, she has no boyfriend. She doesn't owe anybody any kind of loyalty or no. anything. And she's automatically, and it's not like this guy was a, was a rat. He was in shape, good looking. And he was, and he was delivering this joke that, could have easily been pacified from her with like a smile or something. Nope, mm. nothing. And I love that because mm. that to me was like her telling him fuck off. Yeah. And I love that. So imagine if she had a boyfriend and she had loyalty to a boyfriend, it would even be even more pronounced. Yep. So anyways, love that. That's the thing that I look for the most in a woman, her ability to tell a man fuck off because every man, 99% of the time, the man's agenda mm. is to just, Get pussy. Yeah. That's it. It's rare that he wants to actually get to know you. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't those men and there, because I've even had those moments where I want to really get to know somebody. And if sex happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, yeah. I'm fine. Cause they, you find them intriguing. Exactly. Yeah. More often than not though, we're out for you generally one thing. You want to slip it in. Yeah, man. On the blind side. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, there are those times where you're yeah. like, you find what this woman could offer is probably a way more utility mm. than what you're just biologically drawn to. Right. You know, I remember uh, a time last quick story. Um, Don't make it quick. Well, who said we have to be quick or anything? That's what she said. Quick's what you do in the bed. Man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's, just what, that's what you do. No, don't do that, man. Right. So that's what a woman you is turned off by. She hates it quick. Anyway, so same same bird who was um, telling me that she fancies all these men on television and blah, blah. And then I hit her with the Aunt Savage. Oh, look who I'm meeting up with. Anyway, so this was after. This is as we kind of got our relationship going a bit further. Um, from my hometown, Cheltenham, uh, there's a lot of, it's kind of like slow, downtown slow. It reminds me of that very much. There's a lot of bars. People have their, their route that they go. They go to one bar, then another, and they always end up in this one place. So uh, she would be out with her mates that night. I'd be out with mine. And we kind of just meet at, um, at the end of the night at this one place. Uh, it was 21 Club, I remember. And um, we had this unwritten rule between us. We never even spoke about it, but it just, it just came about. I would see her. That, I mean, these places get rammed. You can get a zigzag paper in the door. There's that many people. So... Um, Music's loud. There's people everywhere. Um, she's at one end of the bar um, in the, like a dance floor area, loosely say, and I'm at the other. And I can see her. She's got this blonde hair. It's, it's um, you can't miss it. And uh, she's with her f- girlfriends and they're just as beautiful as she is. And again, it goes back to my point. When I dropped them off in town, I, I didn't think twice about it. I'm like, oh, she has a good night. That's That's what was on my mind. So anyway... Um, I saw her across the room and a couple of blokes are talking to her friends and this one bloke is showing a bit more of an interest in her than I'm thinking I just keep my eye on it I'm like oh yeah what's going on here I'm not jealous by this point I'm just thinking I wonder what's going to happen here and this is the first time it happened then it just kind of continued on from there and uh, she spotted me she knew where I was and I looked over at her and I'm like I mouthed the words you good? Are you okay? She goes, yeah, yeah, I've got this. I got this. And she carried on talking and talking and she would give me this 
I don't know if it was a gesture like just come over here or she'd be like, come get me. You know, she'd worth, mouth the words, come get me. And I'd go over there and uh, just say, hi, how's it going? Oh, who's your friend? You know, and I'd introduce myself to the geezer who's trying to pull her, even though she's already told him a few hundred times that she's got a boyfriend. So anyway, all those times after there that we would meet up in, in clubs or bars and we'd see each other, we had this unwritten rule that we would say, if somebody was talking to us, we didn't want to be rude and tell somebody to piss off. But if they're getting too much, then sometimes they, whatever they say is not going to be enough. So then I need to come over. But I just loved having that within a relationship where I don't have to worry. And we just had this unwritten rule between us. And it was great. Do you think it would be that way if you weren't in the club? I do. And I, and I can only say that because of how her friends would tell me how she speaks about me when I'm not around. Mm. Oh my God, such and such. Better not name any names. Fuck, you know, can you imagine the last time? So I'm not going to name any names. Um, but she goes, oh, do you know, uh, so-and-so loves you so much. Oh, she was talking about you, what you did for her the other day, this and that. And I could just tell the way that other people would talk to me, that she would talk to me about me behind my back. It was great. It was everything. So I knew. And what am I going to do if she is? Fucking just waste my time and energy worrying about something that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Me bitching about it or trying to control her and every situation in fear that she's going to be running off with some bloke. Do you think that's going to stop it? No, because they'll just make an opportunity for it to happen another way. How old were you guys when you were together? Uh, I was mid 30s, maybe late. Yeah. Early to mid thirties. So you're like kind of. Oh, that was a long time ago, mate. Even though you're like you're you're young enough, you're kind of on your way out of the bar scene yeah. to some degree. Yeah, yeah. How old was she? Fuck me, mate. <laughs> she was seventeen years older. However, let me say. Wait, 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 wait! Seventeen years older than you, mate. She. It looked like time has stood still for her. However, so we had this conversation between us, and it would come up more often from her side than it would mine. It would be on her mind to think that it's okay now because we we both look the same age as each other. But what about in 10 years' time when she's drawing her pension and I'm not and I'm still working? Or, you know, there's, there's going to be instances in life where that age gap is going to look massive. Yeah. Was she divorced prior? She was divorced. She had yeah. um, two older kids from somebody else and I got on with him. Uh I got on with her daughter and her son was a little bit moody about me, but you know, I'm a, I'm another bloke yeah. taking his mum out, which is fine. And we lived together for uh, about five years, maybe a little bit longer. Um, she was serious. Yeah, it was great. I loved, and she was, again, it goes back to the whole thing. She was really supportive. She, I, I got 101 stories about the things she would say and do for me because she knew that I was going to make it. And then, Lots of other things happen. I don't really want to go into that now. Stop, stop, stop. Say that again. Say what you just said again. She knew you were what? <laughs> Gonna make it. She just knew. And we'd go for all these long walks just around the block, walking and even in the middle of the snow, in the middle of summer, in the middle of whatever. And we talk about all the things we're going to do with my new career, being professional DJ producer. And uh, she was willing to give up everything for it. 
And uh, it's crazy, you know, when I think back on it, how how amazing it was to have that support from somebody. And thankfully, I've got it now. But I didn't have it for many relationships and many years when you combine it all. Um, yeah, fasc- it's, it's a fascinating part of my life that I, I'll never forget and I'll always be grateful for. Yeah, I'm still stuck on that phrase. What, did she know I was going to make it? Yeah. Why? <laughs> she fucking believed if you dropped a biscuit down there or something. No. <laughs> why do you think? Well, why do you think that that phrase holds so much weight? Like, I know that you have had people in your life tell you that. And you know that they might be saying that just to say it or because they they are in a position with you in terms of how close they are to you that they feel obligated to say it. And then it comes from people that really fucking mean it. And you don't even understand how they can mean it. You don't understand what they see in you. They, no. You don't understand. You're almost trying to decipher if they're being genuine or not. But at the core of you, you realize that what they're saying has so much truth to it and it, it, it compels you to believe it. That phrase can move someone in the direction that they were called to move in and not saying that can do exactly the same thing. Right can cause them to exit. Mm. But when you have someone in your life that tell, and I've had someone in my life tell me that. And there's no reason why this woman should have been with me. As a man, your whole goal is to provide for not only your woman, children you have, but to also, if you're me, do other things. I want to do other things with that financial freedom as well. And I'm not talking about things that are centered around me. You have sort of a proclivity to do these certain things and they're, you find value in them. And that's sort of the thing that drives you, but there's a different driving mechanism that's put into place when someone that is not you, that at the core of them believes that one day you're going to make it sometime, sometime in the future, you're going to make it. It's not, it's not a question of if you are or not, it's when you win, you're going to make it. And because they've already, because they're all doing their own thing and they have their own mental prizes that they've already either accrued or in, in pursuit of it's, it's just another extension of what they feel towards you. It has nothing to do with them. It's not, it's singular independent to you and they, and it's just the weight that it holds is profound, man, but it has to come from the right mouth. But you know, when it comes from that right mouth, 
how it hits you, you may not be able to identify it or dissect it in the moment. Mm. But when you sit on that shit and you juxtapose it to other people in your life that don't say that shit, it's even more heavy and holds far more power. I remember those people that have said that to me in my life and that actually mean it. And it instantiates my place on this planet. Even if realistically nothing has cultivated itself yet or materialized, it's on its way. And they just know. They can feel it. It's a feeling that they get. And they probably can't put it into words either. They probably don't even realize that they're saying it. I'd like to think from my experience. And when I look back on it, talking about it now, fuck me, 15 years later, I can feel that weight again, all of a sudden, like even though there's there's nothing there, I haven't spoken to this person in many, many years, probably, gosh, I wouldn't even like to think. The, the power and the weight that that comment made on my chest and my shoulders in a good way, I can still feel it. I can still feel how much that weighs. And I can also feel it's even heavier when somebody else who doesn't believe in you tells you the same fucking thing. You're not gonna make it. I had somebody say to me, you need to stop, and I quote, you need to stop fucking around with that Mickey Mouse music and get a real job. Wow. Well, shit. Okay, Minnie. <laughs> wow. I know. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened. There was silence. Absolute silence. And stunning. That's stunning. That was the demise of us. You know, again, it, it goes... It goes back to our previous comments about other people because they don't have the the will and drive to pursue their own destiny and their own dreams that their perfect dream that they would love to be. They haven't got the courage to do it. So day-to-day -day life is easier for them to stay in this because nothing ever grew in a comfort zone kind of idea. They love to talk you out of theirs because they feel so fucking uncomfortable that you have this charisma and this drive and this passion because they can't even fathom how that feels. Or they just become apathetic and cynical towards anything that they did find value in because nothing happened on their timeline. Yeah. And we all have timelines, figuratively speaking, yeah. of where we think things should you know, materialize, but that's not how life works. No. And you just have to be, you just have to be kind of held prisoner to the timeline, so to speak. So when your day gets called and you get released from prison, well, that's the happiest fucking day of your life. Well, I'm in prison right now and so are you and we're going to stay here because we owe it to ourselves. We have, an, we have an obligation to stay here in this prison until the cell doors are fucking open yeah. and we can walk free as free men. But that's not going to happen until we put our time in. And if more people realize that their pursuit is analogous to them being in a fucking cell, locked in a cell more people would just fucking hunker down mm. and do what they need to do to pass the time by and better themselves in the process by reading more, learning more, doing more, etc. Look, look, you're in a cell, 
but you can still move jack you can still do things you can still reinvent yourself. You have all the time in the world to do so. Have do you, so. Have you got somewhere else to be? I don't think so. No. Fucking so use that time. Exactly, man. Stay in the cell until the day comes where the person unlocks that latch and lets you free. Because that day's coming. You're not in there for life. Mm. I remember a quote that Arnold Schwarzenegger said on a pretty famous speech that I'm going to butcher if I try and regurgitate it. But um, he was basically saying that he hears from all these people that, oh, they don't have enough hours in the day, that, you know, they have to, they're at work for uh, eight hours and they have to sleep for eight hours. And he goes, well, fucking sleep faster then. There's a way to it. You're just giving it an excuse. Sleeping for eight hours isn't a reason. Get up earlier. Do you know how much more you can do in an hour if you just woke up an hour early? Kobe Bryant used to go to practice before he went to practice. Because in his head, he was thinking, okay, so if I go to practice with these people and I do everything that they're doing, I'm just going to improve this much. But if I go before training and then go training, I've already got one step ahead. I'm already going to be twice as much, uh, I'm going to be twice as much ready as they are just from going training for one hour before practice actually starts. And that was Kobe, someone who had innate talent. Yeah. But again, it goes back to what I said. He was obsessed with it. As much as he, yeah, okay, genetically, he can throw a round ball in a round hoop really fucking well. But he's so obsessed with doing it. Conor McGregor said the same thing. He sees he's obsessed with it. He, does, he hates when people say, oh, you're so talented. He goes, I'm not talented. I'm just fucking obsessed with it. I want to do it at every waking moment. I want to think about it. And I do it all the time, which is why I am where I am. Mm -hmm. Because I did it so much. Just because I'm not physically shadow boxing doesn't mean I'm not thinking about um, strategic plays or what happened in the last fight that I could improve for this fight. Or what did, I, what did I do really well in that fight that I could replicate again in another situation. Obsession wins. It does. The genetics is just a... Is, is a is a foot up, is an advantage. But if, you, if you're if you so freaking obsessed with what you love and what you do, you can't lose. Within reason, of course, you know, unless you take some stupid steps. But if you do everything that you're supposed to do to get to where you need to be. Ed Sheeran, I've, I, I was recently listening to some of his early uh, singing and guitar days. Fuck me, it was awful. When I was playing it, Lucy, my dog, was looking at me going, what's that? She thought it was a fucking dog whistle. You know, or he, he could, he was fumbling the guitar and he was singing out of tune and out of pitch. And these were just the early stuff that, again, these were recordings that he did so that he could listen back to them and think, where do I need to improve? So even when he was shit, he was still improving. Mm. And I love that. I love those success stories because there's a formula People think, oh, you just got lucky. Some part of it is luck. You're in the right place at the right time. But if you're if you're ready and you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So when that opportunity does arise, you haven't got to get ready to, to give that person what they need to give you that opportunity. You're fucking ready. You're like, where do I sit? What would you say to the people that feel they're ready right now and nothing's happening? Prove it. Prove that you're ready. Show me that you can do as much as you can do at this moment in your life. Are you, do you, 
can you take the criticism from somebody to tell you where you could improve and would you improve on it? Somebody with some kind of backing to it. You're not just going to get some bum off the street. I say bum, some idiot off the street who's just going to say, oh, you sound like shit when clearly you sound like Adele. You know, that's the only advice I would give. If you feel like you're ready for it, I don't know if you are because I feel like you've let go of the reins already. I'll, I'll never know everything, but I'm willing to learn. That's how it feels. Yeah, but how does that apply to you, though? Musically? Mm-hmm. I've already done it. I've already, I've already had some level of, I wouldn't say fame, infamy. I don't know what you want to call it. But I traveled the world DJing. I had releases on Spinning Records, which is one of the biggest dance labels in the world. I've had Tiesto, Armin van Buren, uh, Paul Van Dyke, uh, Above and Beyond, all these names that some people may or may not know. They've all supported my music. I've had my shit, I've had my stuff played on Radio One, which is the biggest radio station uh, in England, if not Europe. And I know how it feels and how encouraging it is to be noticed about my abilities. I feel like I'm ready to go for it again, but I've also got a lot of fine tuning to do before I can actually say, right, I could play in front of anybody. Put me in front of a thousand people or a hundred people. I could still DJ all night long if I needed to. But the, the music production thing, I can always improve. There's always going to be an improvement. And I feel like I still got a little ways to go with that. Just need to tidy a few things up, dot a few I's and cross a few T's. And if the opportunity presented itself, I reckon I'd be there. And even if you weren't, do you think that if given the opportunity and being immersed in that environment, do you think that you would just chameleonize and adapt? Yes, absolutely. Because it's not going to be foreign to me. I was telling this story the other day. Um, oh, I was at home and uh, I show my missus this flyer. She goes, oh, what's that? It's a, it's a flyer of a lineup for Ministry of Sound. And for those of you who don't know what Ministry of Sound is, um, it's in London. It's one of, not the size of it, but it's one of the biggest clubs globally that people strive to play in. And I used to have a fucking residency there. And I opened in the bar. Now, you've got the main room, you've got the baby box, you've got all these different parts of the club that you can play in. But the bar was always where it was at. I never rinsed a bunch of 138 BPM driving, pumping trance, but I adapted to my environment and I played uh, almost like an electro house kind of set. Oh, it was funky as fuck. I can't, even I enjoyed my own set. Do you know what I mean? And I opened for this guy called Mark Moore. Now, Mark Moore um, was a front man for a, um, an 80s band that I forget now. I can't remember for the life of me. But uh, he didn't have headphones. I'll never forget this. He had a fucking red telephone. That was his headphones. So he, the, the sound was coming out of his uh, the top of the phone and he was listening to it trying to beat match his records. Never forget that. Anyway, I'm digressing. I played some really questionable songs. I'm thinking to myself, I'm a fucking ministry of sound. What if I can't get away with this song? 
And I thought to myself, I'm at fucking Ministry of Sound. I'm going to get away with playing this because I'm me. Nobody else is going to be able to replicate it. I'm not going to bomb. I can. Some people couldn't mix a protein shake. And it sounds like a herd of horses on a cobble road. My transitions were fucking smooth. They weren't the most technical. But it was never out of pitch. It was perfect. And I can say that with pride. My mixing was fucking elegant and spot on. And this was the first time I had some kind of um, thought of, this is what it feels like to be known. I had people wait for me to come off my set and they followed me back to the green room, for want of a better word, or just where we were all sat down. And people were asking the bouncers, can they come in and speak to me? I couldn't believe it. I'm like, fuck me. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that song was this one. Um, what's your email? I'll, I'll show you where you can get it from. Or, oh, I can't tell you that because it's an ID, which means identification. You know, you can't tell what it is yet because it's not been released. Um, and I have people in the in the audience because I people watch even when I'm DJing because you've got to read a room. You've got to be able to, if something isn't working, unless you're at the, like some kind of status where people know exactly what they've come to listen for. They know if they've come to watch Tiesto or listen to Tiesto play, he's going to play a set list that he's pretty much track for track has already planned out. He may switch a few up here and there. Maybe not. But for the most part, he's already got it planned out. Whereas the, the level that I was at at the time, I'd never planned out my sets. I planned out my first two tracks. Um, I planned out a fucking floor filler. One that I knew was going to kick ass when all else fails. And I and I knew which one I was going to end with. And that was the only planning I did. And I think I, I continue to do that. I never had a set list or a playlist as to what I was going to do. So I'm just reminiscing on this story like it's one of the best things I ever felt. And I would watch people in the audience as I was saying, and they were going, fuck it. And they were like pointing to each other. Can you hear that song? What the fuck is this? And, you know, people put their hands up. What is this? And they're just fucking going for it and dancing their bollocks off to music that I was playing. And it was the best feeling in the world to know that people were recognizing me, this so-called unknown. What's your Instagram? What's your this? What's your that? Oh, my name's Ian Solano. Fuck me, have you got a card? Have you got stickers or anything? And I'm like, I was unprepared that night because I wasn't expecting to do as well as I did. But I knew that every time I was going to play at ministry, at least one person was going to take notice to who I was. And that really drove it forward. Best night of my life. Anyway. I had this fucking, <laughs> I was going off on a tangent. I had this uh, this flyer and I want to um, hang it up in my studio. And it was the flyer for, uh, I think I've got three of these flyers and all three of them said my name on the lineup. My name, fucking Ian Solano was on the lineup at Ministry of Sound. Proudest moment of my life. Three times proud. Couldn't believe it. Loved it. Wow. <sighs> yes, mate. What does it take to get back to that? Consistency. So basically, your, your tracks are your business card. I haven't completely fallen off. People still kind of, oh, fuck me, Ian Solano, I recognize him. So it just takes consistency with releasing new music. So every track that I release, if it gets played on sets of all these bigger names, let's say, Paul Van Dyke, Tiesto, I'm Van Buren, if I appeared on A State of Trance, which is I'm Van Buren's radio show. 
you know, he's going to say my name, so to speak, or it's going to be in writing on the screen when he plays it. There's a good chance he'll play it in his other shows as well. And if I get these tracks out there and people start hearing my name continuously, it's like social media. You can't just post here and there whenever you feel like it and leave it like months in between each post. You've got to be pretty consistent with it, whether it's daily, weekly, even hourly on stories. If you know, if you're on Instagram, whoring yourself out. Um, so to get there, I need to get more consistent releases and be better than last time. So kind of what you're saying is you have to impose your relevance on people. That's exactly. how I'm hearing it. You have to impose yourself on people so that you become relevant. Yeah, so people can see when they when they hear my tune or they say my name on a radio show or a DJ is playing one of my tracks, Ian Solano, it's just going to come up. Ian Solano, every time. It's going to be like just in their head. It's just going to be continually put in their face. Fuck me, oh, another track by Ian Solano. Oh, I wonder what he's going to release next. And then that's when they start looking for you on social media. So when you start doing well, promoters for clubs will see that you're doing well or you've got some really good releases and that's when they book you for events. And that's when um, managers will reach out to you to book you events. So what does this look like in real life if you're a full-time DJ? It depends what level I'm at, but even the... Highest level, Tiesto. You have a huge, if it's Tiesto, you have a huge residency in Vegas. Um, you play all around the world almost every day. You're in a new city or you'll do a tour, especially if you've got an album coming out. You'll do a, an album tour. No no dissimilar to hip hop or um, pop artists, you know. Um, you just, during the week, weekends, it doesn't matter. You'll be out. You'll be playing, you'll be DJing. I remember I went to uh, Indonesia. I got booked in Indonesia. It's 14 hours from England, mind. I went over there with another DJ who I was kind of uh, mani uh, tour managing at the same time because she was just on the way up and I was helping her out, making sure that everything was perfect for her. And I, I always say, somebody said to me, oh, what'd you do at the weekend? I was in fucking Indonesia playing in front of 500 people at a club. And it felt great to be able to say it, not to gloat, but it was a stamp of established. This, I'm yeah, established. this is what I can do when I put my mind to it. I'm not driving a flash car because I got a small cock. I'm doing it. I, I'm playing these events because I put the work in, and people want to book me. They want to hear me. It doesn't matter what town you come from. Oh, you know, they always say that, oh, he's from a little town in Tewkesbury or whoever it is, you know. Uh, who'd ever thought? Fucking, I always thought. I always knew that something was going to come of it. Thoughts make things, you know. If you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. But prayers don't work unless you do. You can't just sit there and let it manifest because it doesn't work like that. You have to put the work in. And that's what it's going to take for me to get to that level, but just as high. Why do thoughts become things? Because how, how does that work? Depends how spiritual you want to get with it. But in my eyes, your focus come becomes that thing. Let's say you're in the on the lookout for a new car and you'll get an Audi A6. All you see is Audi A6s everywhere. 
opportunities come up for you to buy Aldis at every turn. Somebody's selling one. Somebody you know's got one. Someone's mates, brothers, sisters, boyfriends, cousins, girlfriends got one. Everybody's got a fucking Audi at this point because that's what you're on the lookout for. Your focus is on that. Same thing if you focus on bullshit and negativity. Guess what's going to come knocking on your door? And it happens because you focus on it. You find, you find your behavioral patterns changing into those things, good or bad. And then you end up creating drama for certain situations. You can't keep your mouth shut because you want to say what you've got to say. It doesn't matter who hears it and how much pain it's going to cause somebody. And you know it's going to cause drama, but you're ready for it because you thrive on drama. Same with, with being successful. Like I said about Kobe, he was so fixed on it all he did was think about it. He thought about training before training. He trained, went home and had some fucking dinner, went back, trained again. Slept, probably dreamt about it. And the cycle continued for years until he fucking made it and didn't take no for an answer because his focus was on it. And when your focus is on something, opportunities come up, doors open mm -hmm. because you create them. It doesn't matter how mystical you think that it is, whatever your beliefs are, Jesus, the fucking secret or um, the universe, it happens. I would say that, yeah, you're right. And I would say that it has a lot to do with the way your brain operates and what it chooses in terms of data to collect that is going to be more of a beneficial utility towards that thing that you're after. Mm. And it's, you're right. Like if you want to believe in anything spiritually, if you want to believe in the universe, whatever. But the thing remains that you put a precedence on something and that becomes your focus and you will cultivate certain opportunities that are centered around or oriented around that certain thing. It's not a manifestation. It's more of a materialization. It's almost like a tumbleweed that picks up more debris the more it tumbles. You just can't help but be an attractor mm. to this debris that's laying on the ground. Look, the debris has been there and it's staying there. But it's your job to roll the tumbleweed through the debris to, co to collect it. You're the attractor. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this as an extension of a platitude that we hear often on Instagram or whatever. The fact remains... That yes, positive or negative, what you consume, what you allow in, what you focus on becomes you. Yes. Let me say that again. What you focus on, what you consume will become you. There's no way around it. Positive or negative. This is your choice. That's why perspective is so gold. Yeah. How is your perspective on certain things in life, things that are happening to you? Are they happening to you or for you? Exactly. So you choose, man. Mm. It's the, at the end of the day, you are choosing, you're in essentially choosing your path in life from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Now, I'm not saying that this isn't going to come with specific disciplines that you have to essentially immerse yourself to do every single day because it's part of doing life part of adulting yes but like we go back to the to the beginning of our conversation you cannot lose sight of the purpose mm. you cannot lose sight of the pursuit 
Damn. The reason why people don't adopt it is because it sounds so stupid simple. Yeah. And it makes it seem like to the person, well, it's got to be more complex than this or else everybody would be doing it. Wrong. There's a reason why nobody does it. It's because it's so stupid simple they think it's ineffective. Wrong again. It is effective. And the people that are around you, the people that you know that have built anything of measure that are doing by your standards, quote unquote, well, is only because they've adopted this framework. And that framework is what sets the motion in terms of what becomes a reality. But because it's so stupid simple, people think it's ineffective Mm. or it doesn't work. And that couldn't be furthest from the truth. I've got a great story for you and it happened in the last few months. My immigration was wobbly AF because of many factors. The situation I found myself in, the president we had at the time, and a a few other issues. I didn't lose sight of what I believed I deserved, which was my fucking residency in this country. I worked so hard and put up with, but also gave up so much to be here. If I'd have lost sight of that, if I'd have taken my eyes off the prize, so to speak, for a second, the fucking tide would have taken me out because time doesn't wait for anybody. We're full of cliches today, but it doesn't wait for anybody. And it certainly wasn't going to wait for me. I had to ride that wave and keep paddling out along with it to catch it so that I could ride that bitch all the way to the end. And it happened and it did. And I succeeded, but again, all I could fucking think about was the outcome. I didn't. I, I envisioned I already had it. I thought about it every day. This is what I've got. Wow, this is amazing. I had that feeling because your brain does not know the difference between actually having something and not having something. So if you think about it, that you've already got it, even though you haven't, your brain seems to think that you have because you adopt um, feelings towards it. You create this feeling of excitement because your your body reacts exactly the same way as it does to excitement, as it does to nerves and terror. It's the same kind of quickening the heart rate, blah, 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 all that shit. So why not think about already having it? Why not get excited? I went as far as, fuck me, what does the passport feel like? What does the card feel like? What, what's it going to feel like when I when I see it come in the mail? What's, what am I going to do when I come out of that fucking interview and that officer says, welcome to the United States? It was amazing. I can't begin to tell you. I'm fighting the fucking tears. And it happened because all I could think about was the end result You could argue that it's all about the journey to get there. Fuck me, it was a journey. Shit. But I appreciated and I was grateful every single day that I was here. I'll always be a proud Brit, but I'll be a very patriotic American because I respect the country and I respect myself. And I got what I set out to get because I thought about it every second of every day. I didn't have a choice. It consumed me because it was so terrifying, because not having it wasn't an option. I did not allow myself to think for one second that I was never gonna get it. 
you know, you, you can control the first thought, but you can't, you, but, excuse me, you can't control your first thought, but you can control your second and your third. If for any second or any moment that I thought I got this, I got scared and thought, fuck me, what if it doesn't? No, I cut myself off. Fuck you mean it's not going to happen? It's happened. You've got it. All I thought about was having it. The life I was going to have. I went as far as you could, your imagination could take you. I thought about how it would feel to do certain things. How is it going to feel to skateboard down the sidewalk with the sun and palm trees whizzing past me, knowing that the only worry I've got is, am I going to make it to the bathroom in time before I piss myself? <laughs> That's the only thought I had. Everything else was just, I've got it. I can't believe it. And it feels wonderful. I didn't lose sight of it. Ever. That takes an obsessive mind. Exactly. And I kind of, because I got so consumed with that, that's probably why I kind of put music to the side because I couldn't concentrate on it. I couldn't put any thought or feeling into it. Now there's no excuse. Now I can. And why don't you fucking use that energy that you put into getting your situation sorted out with immigration? Why can't you put that towards making music? Because if you do, when you do you're going to be a fucking superstar. I always say, I don't want to be the next Armin Van Buren. I want to be the first Ian Solano. And it's going to happen. Just a matter of when. Do you really believe that? Yeah. Do you know why I ask you that? Why? Because oftentimes we say things about each other, not to someone else, but even to ourselves. It almost feels like we're lying but that's when you've got to believe yourself. Right. But you're still lying to some degree because you haven't seen anything mm. actually take place but and nothing yet. You haven't yet gotten any kind of affirmation towards that certain thing that you want to happen. But then I think to myself, so what if I lied? It doesn't matter. So <laughs> we're both I, distracted. I, I, I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for But at least I gave it everything I had. It's going to take you to some degree lying to yourself until you actually see the fruits of your labor materialize in front of you in real time. And I'm okay with that. Exactly. And so am I. But it doesn't mean that you're not gonna still feel some type of way no. saying it. But that is also a part of the process because yes. Your brain, look, if I go out in my garage and I have a Lamborghini in my garage and I say, I have a Lamborghini mm. it's right here. There's no mistake in that. That is no cap. There's no mistake in that's right there. Yeah. If I walk in my garage and it's empty and I say, this is where my Lamborghini is going to go. I wouldn't be a human if I didn't feel some type of imposter way and about saying that mm. and sort of, or not imposter posering type of like a poser way of mm. saying that and lying to some degree, to some degree. I wouldn't be human because it's not in front of me. I'm not actually physically touching this thing yet mm. and looking at it, but I know one day it's going to be there. Maybe not in this garage, but maybe in another garage and maybe I'm going to have four of them. But the point is, if you don't see it physically, you have to lie to yourself until you do. I'm okay with seeing it in my mind. That's me seeing it. 
That's I, what, I know. But right. then everybody gets their own perspective on it. You may or may not think differently to that, and so is the next person. But I'm all right with that. And I'll take the piss out of myself. I'll even make fun of myself thinking, yeah, this is where it's going to go. Fuck. Yeah. Because if I, if I throw a positive spin on something that hasn't happened yet, I'm winning because I'm still putting something positive into it. And it's going to come back. Which is why I always make fun of and joke when I'm stressed. I'll make jokes about something extremely serious because it's my way of dealing with stress or a touchy subject for me. I've, I've done it a few times today and, and I do it all the time. But if I can make myself feel better, it's everything, it's, to me it's all about the feeling of achieving something. But you could say just because it's not a Lamborghini, it might be fucking, I don't know, a Chevy. I don't know what it is. It could be anything. But it's something. You might just say, oh, this is my Chevy. I call it Lambo. Just like a pet name for it. <clears throat> That's stupid. Let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because you're physically looking at something that's not a Lamborghini, but you're calling it a Lamborghini. Yeah. You're trying to put fuckery in your brain, but it's not really going to work. You have to ex- understand that isolated, this is a Chevy. Isolated is my dream of a Lamborghini let's just say, Mm. okay, for the illustration. You calling something that's physically there something that it's not doesn't mean that that's going to circumvent itself to be that one day. This is all a long-winded way of saying it's a must for yourself to lie to yourself. I'm not saying go around and tell people what you're going to have because Mm. then you look like a cuckoo bird. Yeah, I'm saying... Recite these things every day to yourself, to your own person. You don't have to do it in front of the mirror. No. You don't have to do it vocally. But as long as this is a real sort of playing and, re- and re- recurring real playing in your mind of what you're going to have one day and what you're going to be able to do one day for not only your family, but your family's families, you know what I mean? Like, and your parents, etc. like what you're going to be able to do with what you're going to create and the generational wealth that you'll have extended to because of the circum, the circumstances that you've sacrificed now, or rather the disciplines that you've carried into your life now is all a part of you lying to yourself now. Mm. That's a healthy lie because that lie automatically orients you around what it's going to take to cultivate that specific culture and generational wealth that you will one day have. Mm. It's a necessity to lie to yourself in this way. If you don't and you play it logically and in reality, guess what? You're only going to have what you can touch around you. I can go to a Chevy lot, touch a Chevy. I can have that Chevy if I want. That Chevy's not good enough. You know why it's not good enough? Because the talent that I carry is worth more money than that Chevy costs. Yeah. The same thing goes for you. So you may not want a Chevy. What do you want? This is not saying... Oh, whatever you want, just wish upon a star. That's mm. not what I'm saying. No, it doesn't work like that. I am saying that if your goal is to only own a Chevy, you don't dream big enough, period. No. You don't think big enough. The only thought is, 
I want a Chevy because that's really what you're telling yourself is that's only what you're deserving of. Yes. Even with all the talent that God placed in you, only a Chevy. Really? Yeah. I did a podcast years ago when I first started and it was, I don't know what number it was. It was one of my very first podcasts when I was doing it isolated. I was just doing it myself. And I talked about having like a, a Lamborghini type of mindset where your I don't know to the effect of what it was I forgot it was years ago but it was essentially tantamount to what I'm saying now which is if you're not believing big enough you're gonna definitely attract whatever you do believe you're worth yeah which is what a Chevy Lamborghini Bugatti even if you don't want those things you better be aiming for those things because if not, you'll just collect yeah. what what is mediocre around you. Sorry, Chevys are mediocre. Sorry, Subarus are mediocre. Sorry, GMCs are mediocre. And they lose value. If you want to have something that's, you know, cars are not assets. But if you buy exotic, well, mm. that doesn't have that much depreciating value. Mm. So that's a good thing. But anyways, I'm, that's besides the point. I'm just saying. I get what you're saying. Yes. Take the wheel. Your turn. Your turn, Christ. Ian. I don't know where to go from that fucking... I feel like it should have some dramatic uh, orchestral music behind that. I'm, I might uh, section that out and put it on uh, on um, YouTube. Um, I can only say I agree with you. I know what you're saying. Sometimes I find it difficult to explain where I'm coming from, but no, I, I get you saying. It's... Um, yeah, I can't say anything. You know the mentalities that adopt that? Crazy mentalities adopt yeah. that. The crazy mentality that is necessary to become something that they have never seen in their family's line. But is it be, is it considered crazy because it's not normal because normal has more populace than crazy does? But crazy could be like if everybody thought like that, that would be the norm. Yes, crazy I agree. Would I agree. Think. It's definitely outside yeah. the box. Let's call it that. Outside the box. Yeah. But you're right, man. It's because what's adopted as normalcy is just, you know, the the regular things in life, yeah. which are fine. But if you, it's essentially boils down to what you believe your talent is worth. That's it. Yeah. And what you believe your your utility on this planet is going to be worth to other people. Whatever you have that is complementative of a unique cater or utility to others that can benefit them and make them better in the process. Because the things that you have to dispense with, they either make people better or worse. Yeah. Period. It's not there's no there's no neutral that yeah. I can understand, at least. So what do you have that makes people better? And then believing in that so much so that you have to lie to yourself because you haven't seen it in real life play out yet. Mm. And you don't know anybody around you in your family's line or people that you hang out with that have accrued that sort of that sort of level that you want to be at one day or you see yourself at one day. So that's when it's up to you to surround yourself with people that are. Yeah, but sometimes those people don't even exist. Well, because you're on such a higher frequency. Yeah. And I don't mean that to say that you're above anybody, no, but what it. you want, like what you want, man, you don't know any, do you know any producers around here? Fucking bedroom producers, but yeah, but you don't know people that have the same or unless you do have the same 
gravitational directive yeah. or not gravity. You have the same directive as you do. Do you yeah. know people like that? Not around here, no. Okay, so you have to kind of be your own squad. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Some mm-hmm. people have to be a squad of one. That's why I say put yourself in that fucking echo chamber. Don't listen to anybody mm-hmm. because they will dismiss what you have and discount it and slowly becomes diluted. And that's a problem. Yeah. You have to go, huh? I do, mate. Yeah. This is going to be part three. Oh, man. Well, I got fired up. We'll do it again, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll have you on in a couple of months. We'll do it again, man. Son of a. <laughs> well, look, man, I appreciate you. I always appreciate your being. And I look, I love talking to you at the gym. I love when I see you, bro. You're a bro of mine and you'll always be a bro of mine. So with that, you're always welcome, man. You're Thank always welcome you. to come on here. That. Oh, of course. Tell people where they can find you if they don't know yet. So check out my uh, website, iansolano.co.uk. All my social networking tabs are up there. Um, just find me, just Google Ian Solano and pretty much I pop up except for this other ropey looking individual that isn't Ian Solano but claims to be. <laughs> maybe he's trying to be me, maybe he's not, but uh, I got a mugshot on there somewhere, but it's not me. He's um, a ropey individual. Yeah, just, just some rogue. Um, oh, rogue? Ro- yeah, ropey as well. Oh, ropey, ropey. Yeah, okay, that's but what I thought. Just some rogue photograph that says Ian Solano in it, but it's not me. Um, but yeah, iansolano.co.uk. You can um, uh, navigate from there. Love it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. No problem. Oh, also, if you're listening to this on Spotify, I'd love it if you followed me. I'm actually a verified artist, don't you know, on Spotify. So that'd be great. Just put in Ian Solano, you should see, and it says my name with artist after it. Love it. Wonderful. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Done. <laughs>